Have you ever been tempted to give up or check out in your walk with God? Have you been at a place in life's journey where you felt overwhelmed and overshadowed by life's obstacles, setbacks, or heartaches? It could be you are at such a place right now, a place where you are hungering for hope. If so, then Hope Along the Journey podcast is a ministry of encouragement created specifically with you and others just like you in mind. And now, here is your host, Mark Cravens, to share a word of encouragement with you today. Welcome to today's podcast. I'm Mark Cravens, your podcast host, and we're glad that you've joined us here on Hope Along the Journey. It's a great joy for me to have author R.E. Addison, or as I like to call him, Eric Addison here with us on the podcast today. Eric, welcome to Hope Along the Journey. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm glad we finally got this going. If, if people only knew how many buttons we've been pushing, how many attempts <laughs> we've been making. I mean, we were only supposed to start 29 minutes ago, but that's okay. Yeah, better late than never, right? Right. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad we finally got this opportunity to have you on the podcast. I've been looking forward to it. Um, your family, the Addisons and, and I go way back, known the Addison family for a long time. I, I hear you're the improved model. Is that correct? I don't know if I'm the improved model. Um, I know that they adopted me. So um, they had to look outside of the family to pull somebody in. Whether that's an improvement, I don't know. Well, at least you don't have that bad <laughs> DNA mix, right? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I'll, I will take the character side of the Addisons any day. Okay. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, being adopted, that's kind of a, that's kind of a, a, a thing that I actually came to a point one time in my life where I had to adopt them back. Hmm. And I came to the realization that I could either have their legacy in my life or my biological parents legacy Mm -hmm. in my life. And I'll tell you what, I'll take the Addison legacy any day of the week. (laughs) That's right. All joking aside, the Addison family is a great family. There's a great legacy there. Your dad, your uncles, all just just a great group of people. But you are to it. And we're glad that you're here on the podcast (laughs) today. So uh, you are an, uh, you are a pastor, you're assistant pastor there at the grace place yep. where your dad is a senior pastor. Uh, yes. you're over the online virtual campus. Tell us a little bit about what that, what that looks like. Um, we're, it's really in development. Um, we're, we do online services each week and then we're working on podcasts and we're working on different things that help people to connect wherever they are in the United States or wherever that in the world, really, um, they can uh, still feel connected to our church, you know, because, you know, there's yes. so many people. Mm-hmm. We have folks that are um, in London. We have folks that are in South America. We have folks in Haiti that will actually uh, join us uh, each weekend. And uh, it goes to Facebook Live and it goes to YouTube Live and it goes to all of those. But we're really looking to um, enhance uh, the online experience so that it feels like you're there and you feel like you're connected in because, you know, so many times it's just a service. And so right. mm-hmm. we're just working on some new things coming out, um, to do that. I'm really excited to, to be a part of that. And, uh, yeah, that's exciting. And that's a valuable ministry. I mean, I think if, yeah. if any good has come out of this whole pandemic situation, I think it has awakened all of us to the realization that there's a whole new community out there that we need to reach with the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ, because, and this is the vehicle and we have an opportunity right. like never before 
to get the message Absolutely. out there, which is what Absolutely. we're doing today here on the podcast is getting that message out there. And one of the ways that you're getting that message out is through an exciting book that you just recently released. Tell us about Yeshua's Thief, the novel that you recently wrote. Okay. Yeshua's Thief, uh, it started out as a musical play that we did here at the church a few years ago. And I used to do, uh, used to direct um, productions at our church as well. And so um, we were looking for a Good Friday play, something that we could um, utilize a lot. We had a lot of people that had a, you know, uh, an acting background. And so uh, we wanted to do things to kind of pull people in. And we had just come off of a big Christmas production Mm -hmm. and I was driving to our place in Alabama. So we're from South Florida. And so I was driving to our place in Alabama and I like to drive at night, especially as a few years ago. So my kids were a little bit younger. The reason I like to drive at night is there's less traffic and sometimes the kids actually sleep and it's time for reflection for me and I love (laughs) to drive. So I was driving and I was just mulling over my head. You know, everybody has done the crucifixion story and that's powerful in and of itself. Um, But Sometimes it seems when we read God's word that uh, whether it's been church tradition or whatever, we kind of take these characters and we deify them to the point where they don't seem like real people. You know, the disciples, if you were to meet them, they'd be like regular folks that that you meet. And so um, what I wanted to do is, you know, I was praying about this is how can we take um, and this is my youth ministry thing coming out. Uh, how can we take a broken family's look at the cross? And so I started looking at characters in the story and just, you know, kind of thinking through, yeah, a lot of people have talked about the woman at the well and, you know, the person caught in adultery and, um, and all of these things. And they're all really, really great stories and they have a lot of hope in them. But right. one, one thing kind of jumped out at me. There's one real place in history that it's mentioned about the thief on the cross. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, we don't know anything about him. We don't know his backstory. We don't know right. uh, how mm-hmm. he, but, but we do know a couple of things we knew, you know, and I wrote these down um, once I got into where we were driving to, I didn't write while I was driving. Um, but I figured out that he must've had a family. He must've been, at least exposed to his Hebrew culture, right. and he knew some of the teachings of Jesus. And what that what that meant for me was is that um, here's a guy who understood the truth. He's messed up. He's and and he lived in a culture where it was an eye for an eye. Right. And so I doubt really seriously that he was a bad guy. You know, there was something about him that you know, he, he had enough knowledge to know that he needed a savior. He had enough knowledge to know that um, his only hope was in Christ. And he had enough knowledge to know that Christ is pretty much, he he was innocent Mm -hmm. of all the charges. Mm -hmm. So as I was thinking about this, we, uh, you know, came up with this, I got, I got to where we're going. We have this property in Alabama and the play just kind of came out of me as I sat down to write. Mm-hmm. And it came out in about 45 minutes, start to finish. And I had to give um, 
our, our pastor, my dad, three different scripts to, to look at for this play. So, so, you know, we were wanting to do a play, so it, was, it had to be about Easter. So I decided not to even put my name on it. And I gave him two plays that we had bought and this one. And I let him choose. And even when he chose the play, we did it. When he chose the play, we didn't tell him that I wrote it. Oh, really? No. And so we get all the way to the night of the second performance. So we did Mm -hmm. Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday night. The night of the second performance, somebody in the cast actually let him in on the fact that I wrote this play. And then he made a big deal about it, which is not what I wanted. Right. Right. And so um, people really resonated with the story because it's about the, the son's, the, the, the son of a thief. Right. It's about his relationship with his son. And the the main character isn't the thief himself. It's the son Mm -hmm. who's longing for a relationship with his dad. Now being a youth pastor for years, I can tell you, as I look at students and as I was working with students, I could tell you the ones in our group that had a good relationship with their dad because they had a lot more, they were a lot more secure in who they were. They were a lot more, uh, they, they, they made decisions better. Their, um, their whole demeanor. Now that's not to say anybody who doesn't have a good relationship with their dad, um, is doomed. That's not what I mean right, at all. Right. I mean that they they start from a different place in life than folks who don't have that or they come from a split family, or it, something's broken about their family. And so I wanted to write the novel to talk about that relationship mm-hmm. as, you know, here is this guy as he's coming in to manhood and understanding who he is, this is still a big wound in his life. Right. And by the time right. he catches up to his dad, He's at the cross. That's powerful. It, it's it sounds to me like you're trying to pull two worlds together: the the world of of the Bible and the mm-hmm. and trying to understand the setting, and yet to bring it in a very contemporary setting to where, uh, I mean, let's face it, our, our world is filled with dysfunctional and troubled families. Absolutely. I live here in Cincinnati. You live in a major city in which. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the one of the primary problems is the absence of parental guidance, and especially the absence of a voice and the affirmation and love of a father, and right. and that has had astronomical impact upon our culture today. So it's amazing. It so let's let's take this one section at a time. So first of all, as you did the story. How did you acquaint yourself with the biblical background? Was, was there any particular research or things that you did? Because yeah. I, I think some people think that when you write a novel, you just sit down yeah. and start with once upon a time. No, you don't do that. Um, at least that's not the way it works for me. Um, one of the things that I looked to was, you know, I'm pretty good at research. You know, I have a master's degree from Ohio Christian in, in Circleville there. And um one of the things that I did was I, I compiled a lot of research, you know, mm-hmm. I used Tacitus and Josephus and some of these other ones that, you know, talking about the time period that things were happening. And then I looked for uh, Jewish cultural pieces and, and uh, compiled a lot of that. 
the thing about doing research for a novel like this is you, you, you do all this research and it's almost like seasoning in the novel. You don't, you don't tell a lot of it. You show right. a lot of right. it. Okay. And so, um, and, and a novelist's job is to take you on a journey with characters and hopefully you emotionally connect with the characters, but as they grow, you grow. And as they learn, you learn something. And so, um, and that's kind of the power of story. Jesus taught right. using stories. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't really want to have it, you know, become a preachy thing or anything else. And I think most people that would read it would, would tell you that um, it's not preachy at all, but it is very clear mm -hmm. in the message. Right. And then, yeah. of course, then bringing that, which makes your novel so so great is because you're you've got some like you said cultural things going on in the novel that are seasoning the story yeah but mm -hmm. at the same time um you you're bringing it into a very modern context so that the modern reader can identify with what's going on in the life of this young man yeah and that's the hard part because you're you're taking something that you know one of the decisions I had to make in the novel was the age. You know, okay. we know that Mary, the mother of Jesus, would have probably been about 12 to 13 years old. Mm -hmm. Well, that would never work in our culture, and it would not work for anybody reading the novel because it would be, okay, that, that doesn't line up sure. with mm -hmm. what we think of as decorum or, or our proper, uh, proper way of dealing with things. Right, right. And so... Um, so the character's not that young. <laughs> um, and, and that, so you have to know that your audience is going to look at things one way. Mm -hmm. Historical context is going to be another, and you have to kind of make decisions all the way along the way to say, okay, what can I get away with in storytelling so that people identify with these characters, mm -hmm. but it also rings true historically. And so that, that becomes a, a bit of a challenge sometimes. Yeah, I can imagine that had to be quite a yeah. challenge for you. So I, I told you I was going to ask you this question. So I, I hear what you're saying about your background with youth ministry mm -hmm. and working with sure. young people, and you wanted to do something that resonated with, with people who maybe are outside of the box or maybe, as we think today, more inside the box than we realize. Yeah. Where, what was it about writing this that really is at your heart? What was, why this novel and why was this the one that you had to write? Um, I think it, it's because of something I alluded to earlier, you know, I'm adopted and uh, growing up, I wasn't adopted at birth. I was adopted at four years old. So, um, I had this whole journey as a teenager and going into young adulthood where there was a certain insecurity that kind of came from it. Mm -hmm. And I got the opportunity to have a really great dad who informed my vision of who God is probably more than anybody else. And working in youth ministry, I could see a lot of kids that didn't have that and how it impacted their life or kids that would connect with me or one of my youth leaders. And you kind of became that stand in the gap male figure in their life. And it's so important, and we don't really talk about that. And so, um, so I borrowed from some of that, you know, some of that insecurity that I grew up with and put it into the character of Ezekiel. Because, you know, 
a lot of those are similar types of feelings and emotions that you would have if you did not have a, a, a dad that really was present in your life. And so, um, and I just wanted it to be something that people related to because we all have a parent or an uncle or somebody in our family that doesn't live up to what we think or what we, uh, what we live out in our life or, or want to. And right. so, so we all have some sort of history. Mm-hmm. Every family is broken to a certain degree because we're all sinners, right? Absolutely. And so, right. right. So if everybody's a sinner, then, you know, taking a broken family and looking at the cross can help people see the cross in a whole new way. I also wanted people to see the disciples as real people and not just like some deified version you know even with peter we kind of look at him and see this deified version even though we say well yeah he was a he was he was the most emotional of the group we kind of have this like aura about these guys that you know it i'm not sure is quite fair <laughs> you, you know what i mean and so you know i wanted it to to i wanted people to understand that these were real people that God worked through and they weren't special. They were just chosen to do a certain job. That's awesome. And to be a, and to be a certain person. And God knew the diamond that was in, in the rough there and he pulled it out of them and yeah. he can do the same for us. Amen. That's great. And I do think that people sometimes, like you said, they, they, they look at some of these biblical characters and they don't realize that they were so much just like all of us. Right. Exactly. Very common, ordinary men and women that Jesus used in extraordinary ways. Right. Uh, well, there's a, there's a lot of excitement in this book. I'm, I'm so excited that you have written this. Uh, so if somebody reads this, when they get to the final chapter and they finish up, mm-hmm. they lay the book down, you probably have hit on a couple of things. But what is it that Eric hopes they're going to take away from reading this book? So why would you read this besides just the fact it's good reading? Okay. Yeah. Because my first role as an author is to entertain because Mm -hmm. if it's not entertaining, you're not going to read it. Um, The second thing is, is it depends on your journey where you're at right now. Um, It ends with a choice and there's actually a QR code at the end of the book that gives the plan of salvation. So if you click, if you use your phone and click on it, it takes you to a video. My good friend, uh, Stan Coleman, um, who's been a senior pastor. He's the first pastor I worked for, um, in, in my ministry journey is given a great uh, way to look at the plan of salvation and, 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 a, and a call to action there. But, it depends on where you're at. If you're a Christian, I hope it helps you to see that these events not only just did happen, but they happen to people with hopes and dreams and feelings and things that, that we go through today and, and bridges the gap. So whenever you read the New Testament, you read it with new eyes. If you are on the fence, I hope that it helps you to see that God is a God of forgiveness and that God can bring you to a place where it doesn't matter what your past is and where you're born or who you're born to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I think if you look at the Jesus 
that I've written in the novel, he's, you know, every time you watch a movie about him, with the exception of maybe The Chosen, which mm-hmm. is a great series, by the way. Right. Um, he just always talks in a hushed voice. He's always trying, you know, always has this sort of pleasant look about him, you know. Yeah. And that's not the way he is in the novel. No. Um, he's sarcastic. Mm-hmm. You know, he uh, he has a little bit of fun uh, with knowing what he knows about people. And so you can kind of see that uh, in, in the book as well. And, you know, I just hope people understand that Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully human. Right, right. And being fully human, he had fun. He joked around. He he was serious. He he got angry. And I think as we go into like right now, we're going to be going into the Christmas season. But as even as we go into uh, the Easter season, mm-hmm. it's important for us to know that this wasn't just some you know real liturgical thing that happened. These were real events. Yes, and mm-hmm. Jesus worked with real people. And he probably didn't look anything like what the paintings say he looked like. You know, he, he probably didn't have straight hair with no split ends and yeah. perfect garments or anything like that. Or the glow. I, I love all yeah. the pictures with the glow, right. you know. Right. In fact, yeah. if you were to walk right beside you, unless you walked with him for a while, you probably didn't know who he was. Yeah. And it's true because even his own family struggled with the fact that this that he really could be the Messiah or the Son of God. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until after his resurrection that that a lot of them finally were able to accept the fact that our half brother really was the son of God. Yeah, And, and that, that blows me away a yeah. little bit, you yeah. know, it'd be, it'd be a tough thing to be his little brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been great, Eric, to have you on the yeah. podcast today. What I'd like to do before we wrap things up, I'd like for you to give out like information on okay. where people could get this book. Uh, do you have a website, any social okay. media information? Please feel free to pass that on. Okay. So a couple of things that are happening. Um, it, it, you can find this book on anywhere you buy books online. Mm-hmm. Some bookstores are going to have them, hopefully. Um, but you can go to Amazon or Kobo or to uh, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million. Any of the online retailers will have it. And then um, you can also go to my website, which is uh, yeshuasthief.com. And okay. uh, you can you can click on your favorite book retailer there, and it'll take you right to it. Um, we're working on the audio book right now, so that's going to be released in the spring. That's great, and uh, and it's available for Kindle. It's available any of the ebook formats that you could want. It's available all over the world with that. Mm-hmm. As I told you earlier, I've started reading it, and it is a very well written book. You did a great job, and I mean, I'm very excited about reading. I've just got two or three chapters in and I'm just, I'm, I'm anxious, but I've got to block out some time because <laughs> I want to sit down there and I want to read it when I can read it for two or three sure. hours. So, sure. well, thank you for being on the podcast today. Eric. Well, thank you for having me. And I love the fact that you're, you're writing about a subject that also has hope in it, because I think that's that this podcast and the world in general especially in the days in which we live, people are looking for hope. Where can they find hope? Yeah. And, you know, and, and Jesus is our only hope. That's right. And, um, you know, if we, if we put our faith and our trust in him and not just say it, but actually put it there, Mm -hmm. um, he brings us to a whole new 
level of understanding people, but also understanding ourselves. And then we have a hope for a future after, after we die as well. And so, um, you know, it's, it's been, uh, it's been quite a journey just writing it. <laughs> I bet it <laughs> has. Know, Cause I, I've, I've learned quite a bit, just, just kind of sitting down and putting my own head in these characters right. and, and trying to, you know, trying to wrestle a, a story out of it. Yeah. When's the next one coming out? Have you got another one on the back burner yet? It is on the back burner. Um, I'm working on the manuscript right now. I'm hoping to have a manuscript done probably by January or February, which means that it'll probably be a year from mm-hmm. the actual release of this book. Now, this book doesn't actually release in print until November 2nd. So, okay. um, you know, depending on when this podcast airs, it might be out. It might not. Um, and then on uh, November 10th and 11th, I'm going to be at Ohio Christian University for a two-night event there. It's awesome. And that'll yeah. be open to the public as well. So so stay tuned. Yeah. Well, <laughs> listeners, I, I hope you all will get a copy of this book. And uh, I, th- I think I know that my listening audience would really enjoy it if they get a copy. And hopefully it'll be here plenty of time to get it for Christmas. Absolutely. So. Um, and if it's not, let me know and I can get on the horn and make sure that they... Get it out quick. All right. Well, Eric, thanks so much. I want to have you back because I'd like to talk about more about the adoption at some point. And, and okay. you know, and oftentimes we hear it from the parental point of view, but what's it like on the other sure. side? So we'll get you scheduled back sometime, but thank awesome. you for being yeah, on well, the podcast. Appreciate well, it. Thank you for having me. I feel very honored that you would uh, spend this, this time with me. So. All right. Appreciate it. Listeners, thank you so much for listening to today's Hope Along the Journey podcast. And as Eric has already stated, and I always say at the close of the podcast, Jesus Christ is truly the hope of the world. And if you look to him, he will help you to find hope along the journey. God bless you today, and thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you would like to know more about Hope Along the Journey, or if you would like to make a donation to show your support and appreciation for this ministry, then visit our website at hopealongthejourney.org. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again for more Hope Along the Journey.